BAM Radio Network. I think if you're only hearing positive things, if you're only hearing what's working, then you're not getting a, uh, an accurate sense of what's actually happening in the school. We can do the things that research tells us to do to raise test scores, but that doesn't mean it's actually a good thing to be doing. Welcome to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Here's your host. Hello, I'm Anthony Rabora. I'm the Editor-in-Chief of ASCD's Educational Leadership. I'm joined today by Paul Emmerich France. He's the author of the books Reclaiming Personalized Learning and Humanizing Distance Learning. He's written a really thought-provoking article for the November issue of Educational Leadership entitled Collective Efficacy or Toxic Positivity. Welcome, Paul. Uh, this article really hits a lot of sensitive points for educators. I think you're really not afraid to write what you think. So I want to just give a little background. So you're, you're taking a critical look at collective efficacy, which is this theory that when teachers in a school believe they can positively affect student learning, that tends to align with student achievement growth, according to the research. But you're not taking issue with the theory itself or the research, as I understand it, but you're saying it can be corrupted in the way it's implemented, right? Absolutely. So I think as with, with any research, we have to consider you know, the context within which the research is contextualized. Um, so I'm, I, as you mentioned, I take no issue with the idea of collective efficacy. I think it's really important that we have these positive spaces where you know, teachers believe they can positively impact student learning. And I think given the past you know, couple of years, and even prior to that, we need to look really critically at the conditions in which teachers are asked to teach. And in some cases, there's no amount of collective efficacy that can overcome systemic, the systemic barriers that many teachers and their students face daily. Right. So why is collective efficacy prone to toxic positivity, as you say? I, mean, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I think admins should start having this conversations in school, this conversation in schools with their teachers, because I'm sure there's lots of different opinions on this. Mm-hmm. But the first thing that comes to mind for me is the way power is distributed in schools. Um, when power is centralized with one or a, with one person or a small group of people, and there are you know incentive structures in place where you know you sort of have to comply in order to either get a good evaluation or do well at your job, you know you're not going to get an authentic sense of of collective efficacy in the school. You're not going to get an authentic sense of whether people actually believe that what they're doing is positively impacting student learning. You're going to get a lot of people that are just doing and saying what they're told to do and say so that they can, you know, get a good evaluation. There are some schools out there that do this, so I don't want to paint, you know, all schools with a broad brush. Of course. This isn't happening anywhere, but I think that our schools need to be spaces where teachers can voice dissenting opinions, where they can show up and, you know, appear to be negative or express negative feelings, because I think there's actually power in that, right? When we better understand how people are actually feeling in our schools, we can get to the root of the problems that, plague so many of our schools. And by just by only centering collective teacher efficacy and by looking at that research as the, you know, the driver of student achievement, I think that, you know, we pave the way for what I, you know, mentioned the article as toxic positivity, that we just have to be positive and that we have to ignore the negative. And I just think that's really unhealthy. What, what are some signs in a culture, in a school culture that toxic positivity has taken hold? Like what should leaders be on the lookout for? I think if you're only hearing positive things, if you're only hearing what's working, then you're not getting a, uh, an accurate sense of what's actually happening in the school. Like things go wrong in schools all the time. That's kind of expected, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that administrators should, should expect to hear a healthy balance of here's what's working and here are the trouble spots. 
I think though that teachers should look out for this as well. You know, like if teachers are starting to feel like they can't actually express what's happening in their classrooms, or they feel like they have to sort of put on a show for their administrator, or if they feel, you know, ostracized or marginalized, or like, like I talk about in the article, removed from a committee or a group because they're perceived as negative, you know, that's a red flag. And again, I think we need to see the teachers who express dissenting viewpoints as assets to our schools. Right, of course. So uh, you talk about avoiding misapplications of collective efficacy in the article. You give a couple specific examples, and you seem to suggest that it can depend on what you're trying to accomplish or what the outcome you want is. Can you give an example of how a school could misapply collective efficacy? Sure. I mean, if we zoom out and look at the success metrics that schools are generally measured by, it's standardized assessments, right? And so I can see and I have seen, you know, collective efficacy misapplied to raise test scores. You know, if we if we believe we can raise test scores, or if we believe that our test scores can go up, they will. And that's probably true. Right. If if we believe that we can raise our test scores, we can do the things that research tells us to do to raise test scores. But that doesn't mean it's actually a good thing to be doing. So I think that's a that's a prime example of how collective teacher efficacy could be misapplied. What I would like to see is collective teacher efficacy to be applied towards creating cultures of vulnerability in our schools, towards creating cultures of inclusivity in our schools. Like I wanna see people apply the research to that because I do believe that if everybody came to the table trying to make school cultures where everyone feels included and seen and heard and valued, I truly believe that we could do that with the research. Right, and you say that true or authentic collective efficacy requires layers of sustainability. And you have a lot in the article about that. Can you explain what you mean by layers of sustainability? Yeah, so I'm actually working on a a new book for um, ASCD um, on sustainable teaching. And I actually spent my summer interviewing teachers all across the country about what it looks like to teach sustainably. And what I've come away with is these um, these three layers. So there's cultural sustainability, and that just refers to you know, the collective consciousness of the school, the values, the um, norms that the school is run by. Um, So do those create an environment where teachers can sustain themselves and sustain their practice? The second is pedagogical. Um, So I think a lot of us would agree that some of the things we do in our classrooms just aren't sustainable. Things like worksheet-based teaching, you know, grading. A lot of teachers have talked about how grading is really unsustainable. Um, It just creates so much busy work for the students and for the teachers. Um, so there's pedagogical inputs to sustainability. And then the final, which I think most teachers are all too familiar with, is the resource, is resource sustainability. We need to be, you know, equipped with the resources necessary to teach in the ways that our schools want us to teach in. Um, and that's, you know, the, the link between sustainability and teacher efficacy, the collective teacher efficacy, I think is really palpable. But the, you know, one of the assertions in the article is that if we're going to, you know, push this collective teacher efficacy research, then it needs to be contextualized by a sustainable teaching workload, which includes those three layers. So real quickly, there's a lot obviously going on in schools right now as they try to recover from the pandemic. There's a lot of things around learning law or learning recovery, a lot of pressures on teachers. Um, What do you most want school leaders to know about teachers and teaching as they try to address these challenges this year? What do I most want them to know? That's tough. The first thing that comes to mind is that I want every admin to remember that we do this work because we love this work. 
I think that needs to be front and center. You know, no one goes into teaching for the money or for the glory or for the fame. We do it because we love what we do. And um, that's, that's another asset that teachers bring to the table, right? Our hearts are in our work. And I think if admins remember that and remind themselves of that, even in the face of what seems to be negativity from teachers, I think they'll just be able to make better decisions for their teachers so that they feel like they have a voice and so that they feel like they can really show up for their students. Because we know that when teachers are taken care of, they take better care of their students. Great message. I want to thank Paul Emmerich France for joining us and sharing his ideas and experiences. And thanks for all those listening. I hope you'll stream or download this program again soon. To read Paul's article and others in the November 2021 issue of Educational Leadership, go to www.ascd.org. You've been listening to ASCD Connect, supporting your journey as a life-changing educator. Thanks for listening. This program is produced by Accretive Media for the BAM Radio Network. Thanks for listening.